Welcome to the Hellraiser Podcast. Hello there, it's the Hellraiser Podcast. Hello Phil. Hello Peter. Right, that's that bit done. So here we are once again, talking about Hellraiser, and today we're going to be talking about Hellraiser Hellworld. The eighth film in the Hellraiser series. Mm Mm-hmm. Which came out, again, straight to video, straight to DVD, in the same year as Hellraiser Deader. So it was made at the same time as Deader? Well, yeah, just afterwards. So, well, we quite liked Deader, didn't we? We did quite like Deader. So I guess this one, the same. Should be, shouldn't it? It's much of the same crew, it's the same director, Rick Bota, and they were in Romania still, after having made Deader, so they just made another Hellraiser film as well. Hmm... But this one isn't quite as good as the last one. I'm afraid to say that I think this one is bloody awful. (laughs) Oh, strong words. That's right. Blimey. Uh, I went there. He did go there. He actually went straight in there. Yes, this one certainly does have flaws. And uh, we're going to try and talk about some of those now without getting too annoyed. It's going to be difficult, listeners, (laughs) because... Watching this film again made me think, I don't, I just don't want to find the good things in this film because it's made me very angry. Mm. Because it, it, it not only is a poor film, it's just boring. It does seem that way. It did seem, it just is a little slow and not enough is happening in it. And we did find ourselves getting a little bored during it. Yeah, which when you're watching a Hellraiser film is really yeah. difficult to do, I should think. Yeah, definitely. It really doesn't have that rewatchable quality that a lot of the others have. But we're going to go and talk about it now and see where we go. Uh, so there will be spoilers if um, the film wasn't spoiled enough already by Rick Bota. <laughs> oh, Rick. Um, yeah, Rick, we thought you did a good job on Deader, but um, something happened. So for those of you who haven't seen the film, just listen to this podcast and then you can pretend you have. Yeah, don't watch it for God's sake. <laughs> no, I... Do watch it, because you should watch all these to see what they're like. Even maybe the new one, if it comes out. Well, if it does come out... Well, we'll talk about that at the end. Well... Okay, so this film is set in the real world, as it were. So a real world where Hellraiser is fiction, and Pinhead is a character, and it's all stories like the real world that you and I know. Yeah, he's on posters and... Yeah, on people's t-shirts. They they like him. But the main difference is there's this game in the film called Hell World that is a computer-type thing. I don't really know what these things are. Well, one of those pro- role-playing games, I guess. Yeah, so I guess it's a Well, this is the be... thing. They never actually go into exactly what the game is. You see a brief clip of it, but it's literally just... And now you're at a door. Click on the handle, and the door will open. And it's like... One of those really bad first-person games from the 90s. I mean, it looks unbelievably bad, this game. Anyone who's even seen a game on a screen would never make this in the film and go, this is the game. This is it. And it's, uh, as you said, Peter, it's very short. It's only shown for a couple of minutes, so I think they could have um, done a bit better than that. The game is talked about for the whole film, but they never actually say what it is or how you play it, and the one clip you see of it is awful. If it was a text-based adventure, it would be better than what they show in this film. Some horrible, like, 
the party door that opens and then you see a puzzle box and they're like whoa yeah you gotta open it and oh you gotta do it just right and you're just clicking on <laughs> random bits of this box picture and you've got sound bites from pinhead from doug bradley yeah. going oh i'm coming to get you and all this kind of thing terrible <laughs> and the story begins with a character there's a character called adam who is part of a group of people that like playing this game and they all know each other, they're all friends, but Adam has gone a, went a bit mad and is dead, basically. He burns himself to death, as you find out at the end. Mm-hmm. And it's implied that he got completely obsessed with this game and ended up killing himself because of it. I would certainly want to kill myself if I played this game, <laughs> but I can't imagine getting obsessed over it. So it starts with his funeral, the funeral of Adam, and then it's two years later, all of a sudden... And all of these characters who, I think you mentioned that they were supposed to be 16 at the funeral, and now they're 18, they still look in their 30s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the basic plot of the film is there's this massive hell world party that's being organised. You have to solve the box in the game to get an invitation. And they arrive at this massive house, Leviathan House, oh. for a hell world party. Yeah. I mean, straight off the bat here, you know, no logic whatsoever. They all seem to be somewhat affected by their friend's death from playing this game mm-hmm. uh, in various different ways. You could argue that they don't care, but, mm, you know... Yeah. But they still play the game, which exactly. I think is just stupid. Well, the main girl character, Chelsea, she is kind of implying at the beginning that she's past it and she doesn't want to do it anymore, mm. and the others kind of coax her into it. Yeah. Fine. So they get to this party, and if we were to have a Hellraiser party and invite Hellraiser fans to it, they it wouldn't look like this party. No. The party looks like it's just full of every cliche Hollywood teen, basically. It's full of good-looking people who are barely clothed, who appear to be just there for sex, a lot of them. It's more of a sex party than anything else. It's not anything to do with horror, really. No, it's the same thing as we spoke about with Dedder, where it's like a Hollywood version of a really debauched party. Like, all these people are supposed to be kind of like, you know, explorers in the outer reaches of pain and pleasure, but really they're just a load of kids at a party who are all just getting off with each other and looking like models. It's true. And there's, like poor sort of metal music playing and some red lights and stuff it just (laughs) it looks like what i expect the launch party for this film would look like (laughs) yeah you know it looks like it's full of actors (laughs) and some hellraiser props yeah definitely and then the host of the party turns up and now we get excited watching the film yeah because it's none other than Lance Henriksen. Lance Henriksen. Who, if you don't know who that is, he plays Bishop in Aliens and Alien 3 briefly and then AVP. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's in Near Dark and he's been lots of other things. Millennium on TV. Yeah, he's good. He's very good. I he's... like him a lot. In this film as well, Phil? In this film, I just feel sorry for him. <laughs> I just really feel like he's trying his best um, to sort of, you know, do his really good acting. You know, he's great, great actor. He does look like he's trying to have a motivation for what he's doing and he's trying his best with the lines he's been given. 
He is, he is. And um, as I said to you earlier, Peter, I, I just wish I knew how much he'd been paid for this film. And was it really worth it? Yeah. I mean, maybe it was for him because he's not in the film that much. So it might, it might have not have been that many days shooting and an easy job, trip to Romania, have a bit of a look around. Well, apparently he <laughs> had know. been in Romania doing another film. Mm. And he met, I think it was Rick Boater, I think. Uh, but he met someone who was working on the film randomly and I think he was talking to Rick Boater about it and this is from my understanding he was talking about wanting to use him in a film but there was nothing in Deader that he could use and then Hellworld came along and he asked him to be in that okay so I think it was literally a case of do you want to do another film uh yeah okay yeah yeah I <laughs> do and so that's great that they've got him yeah absolutely but he's a bit underused in the film so when we first meet him, he's the host of the party and he's just sort of this a bit creepy guy who says he owns the house. He has lots of Hellraiser memorabilia, takes him on a tour. Well, it's just that that's rubbish as well, that like he just turns <laughs> up and goes, ah, Hellseekers, you got your invitations? And they just show him these ridiculous posters that they've printed out that are supposed yeah. to be their invitations and to the party. And he takes them on a tour and it's just these five yeah, main characters. I mean, we will find out later on why. It's just them. Absolutely, but it, but it doesn't make any sense at this point. No. In fact, let's jump straight into the end because it's hard to talk about these bits without the, the spoiler. Yeah. So let's go straight into it. Um, right, so it turns out that this guy, the character, Lance Henriksen's character, is Adam's dad, the dead kid's dad, and he's lured them here because he blames them for his death and he drugs them and buries them alive underground in coffins and they've got some kind of hallucinatory drug they've been drugged with. And the rest of the film, in, from their perspective... We'll go into details of this later on. But from their perspective, the rest of the film, from this tour onwards for a lot of them, is not real. It's just in their minds. Yeah, they're under the ground. He's talking to them on mobile phones and feeding them suggestions. So the whole rest of the film is not real. So we're back in the territory of... The f- nothing is real. Yeah, nothing is exactly. real. An idea that was completely overused the first time they did it. <laughs> now, yeah, exactly. At this point, I'm this like Rick Boater. What? What film. is your problem with things not being real? Like we, he's <laughs> obsessed. The man's obsessed. Yeah. So that could be an argument to uh, why they all look like young, you know, model people. Because he does say later on that there is still a party going on. Maybe he just hired all these people to pretend to be Hellraiser fans. Well, no, that's the bit that I think really messes the film up because it sort of should have been that there wasn't really a party going on. Mm. Was there? There was just some stuff to sort of convince them that there was at the beginning and then that was it. But there's certainly a big house full of people at the beginning. There is, yeah. So he got them from somewhere. And then later on he's talking to the police and it's kind of implied that is real, that bit. And he says, I've got to get back to the party. My guests are waiting for me. Of course, that bit could be... A hallucination because it's during the section where Chelsea is trying to get the policeman's attention from the window and she can't. Yeah, we're just talking about random things now. Random we are. Scenes. Well, I think that we're going to have to jump all over the place because it's not really worth going through this scene by scene because, well, one reason is uh, some of the scenes really annoyed us and we don't really want to talk about them. Just imagine something really tedious happening over and over again and you've got many of the scenes for this film. Mm. Uh, sorry to be harsh, but um, yeah. Yeah, we're being a little unfair, but a lot of it is warranted. I mean, there's some interesting things in it as well. 
but we'll get to those in a minute. We'll just work our way through again now. So they go on this tour, and he drugs most of them, but not all of them, in different ways. And this is where it gets a bit tricky here, because, I mean, the ones that have been drugged, surely they would then be taken away and put in the coffins. But the two that haven't been drugged yet and get drugged later, they're still wandering around in the party. Mm. Chelsea and Jake. Jake, who was Adam's best friend. They don't get drugged in the same scene as the others. So does that imply that the others that get drugged are taken away immediately and Jake and Chelsea don't realise? Or is it implied that this stuff, the poison or the, the drug, acts slowly and they just all collapse later? Randomly. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about this bit. This is tricky. And this is something that fans have a lot of, of beef with. Because like, some of them, some fans say if a character got drugged and collapsed, the other characters wouldn't just ignore it and carry on. Absolutely. But they kind of have to for the logistics of the film to work. So you don't know that until the end. Yeah, but I, I think that there, there may be a little bit of scope in that perhaps the drug doesn't instantly work. You then just go into a kind of slightly hallucinating state and then the two characters who get drugged later, they do, they do go off on their own, don't they? Yes, well, she doesn't get drugged too much later than the others, I don't think. But Jake gets drugged much later, but he has been on his own for a while, so yeah. you could argue that. Possibly, yes. But they do, yeah, they start hallucinating and at some point, they, which we don't see, they collapse and are taken outside and put into these coffins. But, okay, before they get drugged, so still in the real world, there's this whole masks and phones thing, which we have to talk about. (laughs) So the idea is there are all these white masks, sort of neutral masks, with four numbers on each of them, and you get given a mask and a phone, an old-style Nokia phone. I don't Mm. know if Nokia paid them any money for this, but... um, it's quite prevalent. Yeah, they get a lot of uh, featuring. But it's the no, it's the chunky old phone that we probably all used to have with snake on it, <laughs> which I really liked. <laughs> but the idea is, if you fancy someone, you key in the four numbers on their mask and you can speak to them. That's the idea. So this phone network is just for this house and it's everyone's got four digits. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. And that's what's done. Mm. Until... One of the characters gets a phone call from another one from their phone, but it's got her name on it. Yes, it comes up with her name, like, Alison calling yeah. or whatever. Now, this happens at the end, near the end of the film, with everyone calling each other and their names come up on there. By that point, you can say, okay, they're hallucinating that bit. But this bit with Alison, that's, it's quite near the beginning that happens. And it could be part of the hallucinations, but it just... But the fact is, it doesn't matter if it is, because... As an audience member, you're supposed to be buying that this is all really happening until the end when it turns out to be a reveal. Mm. So it has it has to make sense for the audience. Even if you later on you can argue, yes, but that was because they were drugged. It has to make sense for the audience the first time they see the film, and that doesn't. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that the filmmakers were sort of going, ooh, we'll throw this in, and the audience will be like, what? It's got her name on it. And that's like a little hint that it's not real. But it doesn't really work like that in the film. It either makes you think that's a mistake or just what? I don't know. Yeah. And another thing we, I want to bring up about this phone, which this is in still in the real world section for Jake. This is before he gets 
poisoned, I think. Mm-hmm. Is he's he's supposed to be meeting a girl there that he's met online, mm. and he's gone to meet this girl. He later turns out that it was actually Lance Henriksen pretending to be a girl. Mm-hmm. So be careful, people, when you're online chatting to nice girls. They might be. They might be Lance Henriksen. They might be Lance Henriksen, which would be much cooler than. Yeah, that'd be good. A lot of girls <laughs> meet online. Anyway, let's just gloss <laughs> over that one. Okay, so anyway, he's there waiting for this girl. And at one point, he looks at his phone and it says no calls. And he thinks, oh, no one's called me yet. Mm. But he hasn't had a mask. He didn't take a mask. <laughs> so how is he going to get a call when he hasn't got a mask and therefore hasn't got a four-digit number for anyone to call him on? Also, oh, this is really nitpicking now. <laughs> the way that the masks are laid out in this cupboard and the way that the phones are doesn't seem to have any correlation. So it looks like you could just pick up a mask <laughs> with a number on it and then pick up a phone. <laughs> and they wouldn't how would they be connected together I'm sure when the filmmakers made this they thought it was a cool idea and for some reason they didn't actually go into the logistics they didn't sit down and think it through properly um, we're not having to go with them for that it, it's I know that again there was a very low budget they had a very short amount of time to make the film I think it was also written very quickly as well which would make sense for a lot of stuff that happens in it and it might be a case of when they were editing it, they were thinking, oh no, that doesn't quite work. But it was too late by then. They, they didn't have any money to go back and reshoot it. So they just had to get on with it. But these are things that should have been thought out, really. Yeah, they should have been. They should have been. And I, I don't know. I, I, I really hate to be so harsh, but I also hate what this film has done to me. So. Well, there is just some <laughs> yeah. bad things in the film. It's, you know. it's such a shame. Like, for example, on their way to the house, it just turns into a really bad music video with some soft rock playing and lots of shots of them smiling at each other and having a lovely time in the sun and trees going past and it's just absolutely and that's that's a big thing about it as well the characters are all really annoying <laughs> i think they're just... most of them are especially the two male characters that are there to get their end away yeah they're just not not cool people and I guess I don't know again you could say oh yeah but that's what they're supposed to be they're supposed to be bad and that's why he's punishing them but no because they're supposed to be funny they've got all these lines that are supposed to be funny yeah exactly aren't really they're not funny it looks like they're trying to be funny and it doesn't it even looks like we're supposed to think they're being funny when they're not Mm. it's very strange this isn't for your eyes it's for your ears so they're not likable characters. No, they're not. Even the even the main girl Chelsea, you have more sympathy for her than you do for anyone else, but you still don't really care about her. No, I don't really feel any way about her. Not in the same way that we, you cared about a lot of other female characters from the Hellraiser films, like Kirsty and Joey from Number Three or Amy Klein. You care about those people. You, you don't want anything bad to happen to them. Even Terry in Hellraiser Three, who does get turned into a Cenobite. You don't want her to. You like her. Yeah, absolutely. This in this film, you don't really care about any of the people. No, it just seems a bit too because um, they've gone for this kind of postmoderny scream thing, all slick and young and blah blah blah. But it just doesn't come across that way at all. It just comes across as sort well, of mean and yeah. boring. We're in that period at the moment where Hollywood is remaking a lot of classic films, and they they all end up looking the same. They've got similar looking kids. It's not even just the remakes, actually. It's a lot of Hollywood horror at the moment. It's all about 
young, good-looking kids who all look very similar, and it's all shot in a certain way, it's lit a certain way, and there's some extreme gore, and then you get your survivor girl at the end, usually, and this looks like all those other Hollywood films. And it's not... That definitely isn't what Hellraiser should be about. Even the films, the early films that we've talked about that we were nitpicky with and had flaws, they were at least interesting and they were trying to yeah. do something different. Even if they failed, they were trying. Yeah. This one's trying to be a Hollywood horror film. It is, and it's a, it is the absolute opposite of what Hellraiser's about. If you think about Frank and Pinhead and, yeah. you know, all of that, this is as far away from that as you could possibly get. It's a kind of, as you say, Hollywood horror young teens slasher-esque with delusions of grandeur trying to be clever trying to be like a clever psychological (laughs) horror or something yeah and speaking of it being like Hollywood films at a couple of moments it really looks like it's trying to be like Saw or like there have been a couple of Saw films by this point and for example one of the death scenes looks just like a Saw trap Mm. where Alison's sat in that chair and there are spinning blades coming towards her neck Uh uh-huh and a couple of moments where it's it's slow motion and it quickly speeds up and then it's slow motion again and it goes... <laughs> yeah, I it's, think it was quite popular at the time, all that, wasn't it? It was, but you, you shouldn't just be copying other people. <laughs> you should be doing your own thing. And as much as I quite like the Saw films, I know you're not as big a fan, Phil, at all. <laughs> but um, I like them and, I, and they, have, they do have their own specific style that's, that's copied throughout the films and that's fine because it's the style of their films but when you get that style in another film especially like a Hellraiser film it just it's jarring I think yeah I mean I think uh, on the one hand to try and be fair to the filmmakers for this one I don't know what went on behind the scenes in the boardroom of Dimension Mm. or whatever but this seems like either Rick Boter has decided or someone else has decided that they want to try and mainstream up Hellraiser a bit and he has then tried to make a kind of mainstream Hollywood horror, but with the more uh, dark elements of Hellraiser mixed in. But it just doesn't work to mm. mix those two things together because Hellraiser, the concept, just becomes completely neutered because it's just yeah. too weak. It's you, you can't make a film like this. It has to be really dark and really you know, story-driven and characterful for it to work, I think. Especially when you think about the main story they're trying to tell is a game that obsessed a kid so much he ended up killing himself and so the father then takes revenge on the friends that he blames for it Mm. by burying them alive, which is pretty horrific. Well, if you think what actually went into his revenge in real life, it is huge. Yeah, it is. He organised this party. He got involved (laughs) with the game Hellworld and organised this huge party. It cost a fortune. That's a good point, because it's it's the actual real game. Well, yeah. That they... That they get the invitation. So how did he manage to get involved with the people who make the game (laughs) and convince them to put this invitation in it? Mm Mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought about that before. That's a bit weird, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> but also, he then has them all in a separate coffin with a pipe so they can breathe, and they've got these phones. They've got a phone each that it seemed to be constantly on. Yeah, this doesn't make any sense either. Yeah. Does that mean that they can speak to each other the whole time, or does he phone them up one by one? So has he got six phones on him? He's walking around covered Five in phones. phones. 
covered in phones, speaking into them one at a time and saying, by the way, you, you think you're in the attic now? Yeah, you're in the attic now. <laughs> there's a you're, bird. You're sitting down on a chair and there's a blade coming towards you. Blades, blades, blades. Woo! <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't really make any sense. Because if they could hear, if it's an open channel and they can all hear each other, then they would know what's happening to each other. And they don't seem to know that in the fantasy world they're living in. But then they are actually cooperating in the fantasy world. That Some of them are, in. yeah. Like and, and then they Chelsea have and a, Jake do, don't they? Yeah, and they have a shared memory of what they did Yeah. afterwards. So they must be able to hear each other. Man. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't quite make sense either. We're going back a bit. So once they're all they're having these hallucinations, three of them do end up getting killed, in inverted commas, by Cenobites. Uh, which actually means they've killed themselves or they've just died in their coffins. The saw trap girl whose throat got torn out by blades, she actually ripped her own throat out with her fingers. You've got the character of Derek, who his whole dramatic tension-building set piece revolves around a, an inhaler because he's got asthma. I cannot believe that they put this in the film, that he can't find his inhaler. His, his inhaler's being knocked across the floor in the dark. Now, the speaking dance. as someone who does suffer from asthma, the idea of having an asthma attack and not having an inhaler is quite scary. Yeah, but absolutely. But the way they've done it in this film, there's hardly any... Well, first of all, as we said, you don't really care about him. He's been quite annoying, so you're just waiting for him to get killed, really. You know he's going to get killed. And you're waiting for it to happen. And the fact that he spends such a long time trying to get his inhaler that he's dropped, you really stop caring. And you think, okay, when's someone going to turn up and do something bad to him? Mm. And then when they do, it's Pinhead with a meat cleaver type thing and he just chops his head off and that's it. Yeah, that's one thing that we haven't mentioned, that they're, they are all hallucinating Pinhead oh, yeah, sorry. here and there. Yeah, so Pinhead in the, the world of this film exists only as a character in the mythology that they all know about. But in their hallucinations, he is actually turning up and tormenting them or killing them. Yeah. And it looks like he's, before you know the twist, it's like he's working with Lance Henriksen's character, the host and the third character that gets killed in his coffin is the character of Mike, who is uh, is Superman. <laughs> He's the the actor is going to be the new. He is the new Superman. That's quite exciting. Yeah. Uh, but he also is quite annoying in this film. His character really. I mean, he's really not bad, annoying. but there's just weird moments where he does some weird mugging to camera and trying to be funny and f- doing a funny face, or and it's yeah, just not. You know, it's a really gratuitous kind of oral sex scene I mean well you don't see anything as such but no, you but know yeah. it's very kind of much that he's having he's receiving oral sex and this from this girl that he's just picked up on the dance floor yeah and she's and got her mask on the top of her head so it's the mask is looking at his face yeah. while she's going down on him and he's just kind of like really like whoa, whoa, whoa he takes know. a phone call he's being funny yeah and then afterwards she says right now it's your turn and he does this weird comedy oh no I wouldn't want to do that <laughs> oh she's grabbed me oh dear and it's like something out of a American Pie. <laughs> it's worse than that. It's, I don't know what it's. Out it's of. like something out of the fourth American Pie <laughs> sequel. Um, and it's just. I mean, I hope he's better than that in Superman. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. So and he, they say, dies of sheer drop dead fright. He dropped dead of drop dead fright. So he just dies. 
yep. basically. Yep. So yeah, and then there's this weird subplot of a nun who lived in the house. This is not really explored properly either. No. Does she live in the house or she used to work there called Sister Ursula? Mm-hmm. And then it's implying that Jake has sex with her or someone that looks like her who then disappears. It's not clear. It's, it's just not, really not clear. clear. It's not clear. But then something else that isn't clear is the fact that, of course, they're all buried in the coffins. Three yeah. of them die. Two of them get out. Yeah, yeah. Chelsea and Jake manage to... They're finally... Well, it's because they're saved by the police, luckily. They're saved by the police. But how did the police know they were there? Well, indeed. Apparently... They received a phone call. Received a phone call. From the house. And this causes Chelsea to look at a window and smile. And there's a lady's image there that disappears. It's it's Sister Ursula. So they're basically saved by a ghost who makes a phone call. Yeah. So, okay, there you go. That's what happens. Then um, Lance Henriksen's character, he's gone. Yeah, he's he left fled. Them, he, he left fled. them to die in their coffin. He's gone. We see him in a hotel room, mm-hmm. looking affectionately at pictures of his son, drinking vodka and feeling like a job well done. Mm-hmm. Murdered some kids. Revenge is his. Yeah. But then <clears throat> he picks up... In his tiny little suitcase, <laughs> he happens to have... The puzzle box. Yeah. No, we didn't say this, actually. Adam, the, the guy that died, they say that he ended up making a puzzle box. He was so obsessed with the game, Hell World, that he made a puzzle box, and it implies that maybe he opened it or something happened to him with it, and he ended up setting himself on fire. But that's the box that now his father, in the hotel room, finds in his little suitcase. Mm-hmm. And he thinks... I don't know what he thinks. I mean, is it is it implying that he had it with him? He knew he had it with him because it was something reminding him of Adam, or is it implying that someone else has put that in there? It's never really gone into. But he starts playing with it. Yeah, I think it's implying that he kept it. He He's knew it as a memento. It was a memento of Adam, okay. and he uh, he doesn't believe in oh, no. Hellraiser. Obviously, well, of course, it's just it's... a film, and he m- manufactured all this rubbish. It's supposed to be as real as the actual mythology is for you or I watching it or listening to it. <laughs> Hang on, what was that? <laughs> oh God! It's yeah. Fine. So um, yeah, so he starts playing around with the box as you do, yeah. and again, pretty easily opens it. Yeah. And, uh, and then what happens? Ooh. It's only it's the only Cenobites Pinhead. turn up in the real world. No way. Well, Pinhead turns up and the two Cenobites that are used in this film. These are the two Cenobites that are on shift in hell tonight yeah. to help Pinhead. And they've been in briefly earlier on in the hallucinations. You've got, uh, well, I was going to say Chatterer and Bound, but they're not, according to the credits. They are Melted Face Cenobite. <laughs> who, for all intents and purposes, is Chatterer with just less horrific makeup than the first two films. Yep. Just looking a bit rubbery. It just looks no. like a mask. And they well, have no, the... actually, yeah. Go on. Because it is, isn't it? Yeah. There's the mask at the very beginning that Jake... Sorry, not Jake. Mike turns up wearing it at Chelsea's house and you're supposed to be scared and then he pulls it off. But that's exactly what the melted face Cenobite looks like at the end. Yeah, and Same they they make mask. the you hear the sound effect of the chattering teeth, but yeah. he doesn't his mouth doesn't actually move no. as far as I could see. No, me neither. 
and you've got Bound. Bound is credited as the banded Cenobite. Yeah. I don't know why. Why? They're supposed to be the same people, surely? Well, maybe they're not. Maybe it's a completely different person. He just looks very similar. Anyway, they're both... Anyway, they're there. Uh, there for no reason. And they cut the host, Lance Henriksen, into bits. They do, with huge, big, sort of pit-in-the-pendulum yeah. blades and, on string. And some dodgy CGI. Yeah, he looks really bad when he gets this chopped into This is a real pieces. shame. Yeah, when he falls apart, I mean, you've got that trick that's been used a few different times in different films where someone's body's cut into pieces and the pieces slide off each other. has been used to greater or lesser effect in other films. Here, you only see it briefly, but it's not great. But then there's an unforgivable shot of him, his torso cut in half and his inside sort of splurging out. And it's really bad. It is. I mean, I can't believe they left it in. Well, the insides are just totally the wrong colour. They don't even look yeah. like... They look like cartoon yeah. things. Uh, sorry, guys, but that that should have been taken out, or at least you should have done something else with it. That's a shame. It is. Hey, do you think that they were trying to reference the bit in Aliens where he's Bishop and he's got chopped in half like that? Yeah. Actually, now I think they probably are. That's just occurred to me. Because it's very similar. It is, and he's got like an arm and his head sort of looking around. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh. Oh dear. (laughs) (laughs) We'll tear your ears apart. So it looks sort of glossy. It looks like a Hollywood horror film. It doesn't, to me, look like a Hellraiser film. Even the earlier ones, I mean, I said this earlier on, but... The early ones that had problems like Inferno and Hellseeker, they at least were full of really interesting stuff Mm. and good stuff going on. This one isn't. I mean, this one, we did find ourselves a bit bit bored watching it. Yeah, I, I just think there's very, very little of interest in this film. And it's a real shame. There's some kind of mileage in the idea of being given a drug that makes you hallucinate you know hell razory mm. things there's something about that that I kind of like but just the way it is in this film you know if they were sort of going around this house and it was a real big house and there was all these things to investigate and well I it should know. have been like a haunted house film yeah really yeah because when I first saw this film whenever it was years ago I, I remember it starting and I and getting really excited that it was set in the real world and it was doing this whole you know, Wes Craven's new nightmare scream type thing. Mm. And then they just don't use it enough. They don't use it well enough. And then it just meanders. It does. It has a very uh, familiar thing of, you know, one of the kids goes into a room and then slowly explores the room and finds something Talking horrific. to himself. Talking to themselves. <laughs> finds something horrific and then dies. And it's just like, you know, halfway through the film, you're like, can we not? just speed things up a little bit here because it's, yeah. it's getting a little bit tedious. And there's some other really interesting stuff in it as well, like the whole being buried alive thing is terrifying. Uh-huh. Being buried in a coffin under the ground, not being able to get out, that's really horrific. But by that point, you have stopped really caring. And the other thing, the whole father, I mean, you mentioned this earlier on, before we started recording, the whole Jake has a massive go at the dad for blaming them for the death when he actually wasn't around 
when Adam was still alive. Mm. And that's also really interesting. They should have explored that more. They should have, yeah, because as it stands, they just leave uh, Lance Henriksen's character as a sort of what he did. He really had no justification for in the way it is in the film. The revenge was just way out of proportion and there wasn't enough of him to sort of really get a sense of what his character was all about. He didn't care about his son while he was alive and then he took out this unbelievably elaborate and expensive revenge (laughs) on what were actually his son's only friends in whatever way. Yeah. Maybe that's why he's in a tiny little hotel room at the end. He spent all his money on the gags. He spent it all on the big, big old party. Yeah. So there we are. That's number eight in the series so far. And I kind of want to apologise that we've been a bit down on this one, but unfortunately there wasn't an awful lot we could say. There isn't really, and because this is the last in the series so far, you know... I just thought, what? Why do we have to? Yeah, I mean, I would, Why? I would say to people that you, they should watch it. I mean, it has got some fun gore in it every now and again. It's got Doug Bradley in it. And, yeah, exactly. And Lance it has got he's Pinhead. Great. I mean, yeah, again, good. we haven't really mentioned this, but Pinhead is is hardly used. I mean, he's he's pops up a couple of times, says a couple of lines, and then he turns up at the end. And that's yeah. about it, really. Yeah, this is another one with sort of hardly in it. No. There's lots of nudity in it, so you can watch it for that if you want to. <laughs> There's, uh, yeah, you know, if you're a Hellraiser fan, it's worth watching. Um, but just uh, prepare yourself to feel a bit bit depressed and bored, I think. Yeah, I'd say if you were doing a marathon of all the Hellraiser films, I'd say don't leave this one till last. <laughs> <laughs> because you just end, you'd end the whole marathon just going, oh, okay, right. Hey, wow, imagine if you did the marathon of the Hellraiser films and you started at the end. And worked backwards. And worked backwards. That would be great. They would be great. They'd just get sort of better, (laughs) as it were. Well, maybe, or maybe not. Depending on what you think of. Maybe on another podcast, we'll do uh, favourites. Favourite films, favourite Cenobites, that sort of thing. We'll get Mm. your feedback as well, Mm. listeners. But speak, we keep saying so far, let's just talk briefly about the ninth film in the series, Hellraiser Revelations. It's now October 2011, and Hellraiser Revelations, Hellraiser 9, is due to be released on the 18th of October. So we'll get it as soon as we can. I guess we'll have to get it Region 1, or Dutch import. I, it's not going to come out over here, is it? It's unlikely. Because 6, It'll 7, come 8 haven't come out over here. <laughs> yep. And there's also the remake that's uh, stalled again. Last last we heard, it was going to be made by Patrick Lussier and Todd Farmer, who did My Bloody Valentine 3D and Drive Angry, which I really like. I think Drive Angry is great. But I heard a rumour that they weren't on it anymore. So we tweeted Todd Farmer from our Hellraiser... Lair. <laughs> Lair. <laughs> yeah, at Hellraiser Cast on Twitter, if you fancy that. Um, we tweeted him asking what was going on with it and he tweeted us back which was very nice of him thank you for that and he said uh, that they're no longer working on the project mm. that's all he said that's it and uh, so there you go they're not doing it anymore no so who knows where the Hellraiser remake is it's in limbo but I do know that they had been working on it for a while and they've done at least two different drafts so this begs the question then Peter that we seem to have come to the end of the films of Hellraiser we have so far There are no more films. So what are we going to do? Well, there's one short film we can talk about another time. 
which is called No More Souls, that Gary Tunnicliffe made. Mm-hmm. But we'll do that another podcast. Do seek it out, though. Have a look on, on YouTube. Or if you've got the Region 1 Deader DVD, it's on there as an Easter egg. Um, no More Souls, it's called. Check it out. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. So we'll talk about that, but you're right. What are we going to talk about from now on, Phil? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> Star Wars? I'd love to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> I really <laughs> like Star Wars. <laughs> no, but we have got lots of other Hellraiser things we can talk about. We're going to talk about books, books, comics, comics, other films made by the filmmakers. There is a lot we can talk about. So, um, so just to be clear, this is not the end of the Hellraiser podcast. Oh God, no, no. In fact, now, now that we don't have to arrange a time, we can we have to get together and watch a film, then do the podcast. We might even be able to get them out a bit sooner. <laughs> Whoa, this is going to be exciting. <laughs> this is just the beginning. It's it is. That's exactly what it is. So. What we want from you guys now is we'd like your feedback to come in a plenty, if that's all right, because we're going to do at some point in the future a feedback podcast where we take all the feedback from people we've got so far and we go through your points and we try to answer them if we can and we see if you've answered our questions and we'll just have a chat about what you guys are talking about as well. So send any feedback into hellraiserpodcast at hotmail.co.uk or you can tweet us at hellraisercast and we also have... At long last, a website you can finally go to. Yeah. Which is very exciting. Which is hellraiserpodcast.com. So go to that and have a look at it. And uh, be gentle because I've made it myself. <laughs> I don't really know what I'm doing. So have a look at that. We might end up with a little forum on there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, there is a Hellraiser podcast discussion going on at uh, the Hellbound web. Cenobite.com yeah. So you can go over there and join the forum there and Yeah, it's a great website It is And uh, we need to join that forum, actually We will join that forum, yes yeah. And, and uh, uh, we'll join in the conversations with you there Yeah But in the meantime, do get your feedback in And we're going to have a podcast all about what you guys are saying And not necessarily what you think about the podcast But what you think about things that we've raised Points we've raised about the films and Cenobites And all sorts of things And see what you think And if you want to tell us your favourite ones then go for it as well your favourite films your favourite Cenobites that would be great anything anything you want to say in the meantime thanks again for listening Uh, oh we've got a Facebook as well so find that and join that (laughs) so thank you very much for listening we really appreciate all of you who stuck with us for all the films and that's just the beginning there's a lot more to come so keep tuned alright thanks Phil (laughs) thanks Peter and see you all soon bye bye well we've done it that's it that's it that's all the films I'm just turning this oh, that was good oh shit, hang on sorry I'll just get that one sec Peter um who is it um Phil could you come here a minute please uh, so, yeah, hang on. Yeah. Um, Who is it? Oh. Hello, Phil. Hello. Uh, you have mocked us for the last time. What do you mean? We didn't... No, we didn't mean to. No. All your silly quips and comments. Do you know how hard it is to make these movies? Um, what? We, 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 we like the films. Yeah. We really like them. We've been positive and everything. Not on all of them you haven't. So now, you must come with us. But, wait a minute. No, 
we don't have to come with you because we we haven't opened the box. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he cares, Phil. Look, there's Spike behind him. Oh, God. Now you're mine. Leg it. This way, this way, this way. He's not following. Okay, come on. Is he there? He's not there. Quick, outside, outside. I think we've lost him. Hello. Shit. Okay. I think we lost him. Yeah. Yeah. He's not here. Boo. Oh. Um. Listen, I'm, we're really sorry about what we said. We didn't mean any harm by no. it. No. Can you just um, just 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 leave us alone? No. Um, it's just I hate to point this out, but we we didn't actually open the box. Yeah. So you can't really take uh, us to hell or anything. What? You just watched Hell World. Do you really think I care what makes sense? Oh God, he's right. Good point. Okay. Ah! Phil, he's he's taken all your skin off. Yeah. It really hurts. That looks really good, actually. They should have kept doing that in the films. That looks really good. Yeah, it really hurts. Yeah, okay. And now for you. Please don't, I quite like my skin. Oh, yeah, that that does look good, actually. There's a massive chain in my chest. Yeah. And now to finish you. Right. Good. <laughs> Spike, come on. Welcome to the Pinhead Podcast, with your host, Pinhead. Today I'd like to talk about Star Wars. I recently got the Blu-ray box set.